We're going to kick things off with prayer uh, this morning, and then we're going to sing some more. Um, I'm going to give you an opportunity during this prayer to silently confess your sins to God. We want to make sure that we just kind of lay everything out before God, and, and so there's going to be a moment of silence for that. And then we're going to open it up for you all to uh, kind of bring forth your prayer requests during this time, okay? So let's pray. God, what, uh, what an honor it is um, to celebrate not only VBS and back to school and to think about the, the lives of the children, uh, maybe that a, a small seed was planted there uh, last night uh, for all the volunteers that came out and did so much to make it happen and to be able to invest in the lives of the next generation, but also to celebrate confirmation and reaffirmation of faith this morning. I'm so grateful for this church family. Uh, I'm thankful for um, the fact that you choose us before we really even know what's going on, that you have poured out your Holy Spirit on us and said, this one's mine and can never be touched. And so now to have that opportunity to turn around and just acknowledge that and say, we love you and we want to we follow Jesus our whole lives, it's an honor uh, that you loved us before we knew anything about you. We pray as we gather to worship you this morning that we would sense your presence. We know that you're here already, but we want to see and feel you in a special way that changes us so that when we walk back out those doors, we're not the same people that we were when we came in. We know part of that means that we need to be honest about the ways in which we've failed you this week and in the past. This is a a tough subject for many of us because it's so hard to admit the places that we've, we've been wrong and that we've wronged others and that we've harmed ourselves. But we know that Jesus tells us that you are actually the safest place for us to turn when we mess up because you already know our shortcomings. You already know our failings. You're already extending forgiveness to us, but part of, part of receiving that forgiveness is being willing to admit what we've done. And so we just want to take a moment to silently confess to you in our hearts the things that uh, we want you to cleanse us from and take away from us. Hear our confessions now, Lord. God, I believe that the confessions that are being lifted up to you right now are actually like sweet incense. And we're thankful. We trust in the scriptures that tell us that while we were yet sinners, Jesus came and died for us. And because of that, we know how you feel about us already. We know that you're a forgiving God, a merciful God, a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And so we claim that forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ, and we thank you for that. Lord, we also want to remove any burden that might be on our hearts this morning because for us to truly see you, we can't be thinking about other things that are heavy on our hearts. And part of what you want to do is to remove that burden, to take that yoke and, and just lay it down and say, I don't want to carry that anymore. 
And so we're going to call out names of people and situations that are heavy on our hearts. We ask you, in your mercy, to hear our prayers. The family of John Locke. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Grady James. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Jack Root. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Richard Malloy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Rhonda Morado. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. John Hafner. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Cameron White. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Thankfulness for everyone here today. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Mike Mark. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Chris Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Unspoken. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. My mother and Andrew. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. United Methodist Church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Pastor Jimmy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Pilgrims of Walk 102 and 103. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Grace Frazeman. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Grace Church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. All kids returning back to school soon. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. James Astridge. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, we offer you these and any unspoken requests. There are so many we could name. The children last night, be with them as they head into the new school year. The teachers, the administration of our school. Um, we just lift them all to you. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you that you are on the case, working toward our good. Even when we're asleep, you're working toward our good. We thank you for that. May you be praised and glorified in all that we say and do today. And We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to do our scripture reading this morning, and then we'll let the kids go back to the children's area. But our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 31 through 33, and 44 through 52. Listen now for a word from the Lord. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, 
which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was so full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, you, you guys are probably wondering what the heck this is all about, right? Did you think there was going to be a drum solo today? You were hoping for a drum solo? Yeah, fingers crossed. No drum solo. All right, have you guys seen, um, have you seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Yeah. Okay, do you remember in that movie, he found the place where all these chalices were, and he had to pick out the one that was actually used at the Last Supper, and, and, the, and the old man that was guarding it said, if you pick the right one, it will bring you eternal life, but if you pick the wrong one, it will take life from you. And, and of course, the one guy picked the wrong one, and we didn't show that clip because it might have scared Ben. Um, all right, I have a collection of drums up here. One of these is worth a lot of money. It's got, a, it's got great value. Uh, I'm going to go through, and you can raise your hands. If you pick the right drum, it will bring you eternal life. <laughs> if you pick the wrong drum, it will suck it out of you. Okay? So here we go. Who thinks this is the most valuable drum, the one of special worth? Nobody's taking me up on the first one. What if I put the... What's the brand? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a DW uh, maple drum set. Okay, got a couple. Okay, uh, this is a Gretsch Energy uh, Tom. Who thinks it's that one? Okay, Susie. All right, this is a uh, Ludwig Steel Snare. Okay, a couple people doing that one. All right, this is a, a Tempest. Um, this is a carbon fiber. You like that one, okay? Tempest Carbon Fiber Tom Tom. Uh, this is an HP Custom Fiberglass Snare Drum. Uh, this one was actually made for me. It's got a badge with my name on it, and it's, it's got a serial number. Uh, okay, who, who thinks it's that one? Okay, a lot of people think maybe that one. And then this is a Ludwig uh, Tom. Okay, all right. I think I had the most on this one. Now, this one is very valuable to me personally because it was a drum set that was made for me and personalized. But out of all of these drums, there is one that is uh, pretty unique and, and rare and worth a lot of money. 
It's this one right here. It's this one right here. This is a genuine uh, 1965 Ludwig uh, in Black Oyster Pearl is the, the, the name of this finish. Uh, and this is the original wrap. So this is a 1965. It hasn't been rewrapped. The reason that this is so valuable and uh, worth something is because this is the same drum set that Ringo Starr used oh, on his record. Now, this, is, this, is not the, this is not the Tom, but he used a 1965 Ludwig Black Oyster Pearl. And so it's kind of like a collector's edition because if you can find one in good shape, there's not very many of them left. Now, I, I happened upon this drum set. Um, I was working at a music store, and I had a young lady that came to me, and she said, I really want to learn how to play the drums, but um, I need a drum set. And I need a drum set that just is ready to go, that I can just start learning and playing on. And she said, now my dad used to play the drums, and he's got this old set that's been sitting out on the back porch forever. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's worth anything, but if you'd be willing to look at it and make a trade for a less, lesser drum set, as long as it's a drum set that works, that's got all the heads and does everything it needs to do. So she brought it to the store. Now, I just about fell on the floor. I just about fell out because I immediately knew what it could be. And so then I take the drum and each badge has a serial number and I go on the internet and I look up the serial number and hot dog, it's a 1965. It's a 65. Heck yeah, you can have whatever drum set you want. I've got several to choose from. I made a good trade, uh, and I told her, I wasn't dishonest about it, I told her, look, this is, a, this is a 65 Black Oyster Pearl, like, this is a good kit. But it needed some work, it needed some restoration, um, and I had several drum sets that were ready to go, and so she said, let's make the trade. So then I was able to make some, you know, do the restoration on it, put all new heads on it, uh, take, I took it all apart, redid the whole kit, and, uh, and now I've... Now I have a 1965. But, but, but let me tell you, uh, to the untrained eye, no offense to you guys, these all just look like drums, right? They're just drums. And you look at it, you know, this one's pretty. That's pretty. It's got a nice sparkly fade to it, and, and it's a maple drum set. Maple is a, you know, that's a good wood to make, to make uh, drums out of. This one's kind of cool. Um, this is actually a company that doesn't even exist anymore. So this is, this is rare too, but they never became as popular as the Ludwig kits. So to the untrained eye, just glancing at it, you may look at, well, what's the prettiest one or, uh, you know, which one am I drawn to? You may not know that one of them is especially rare and especially valuable. According to Jesus, this is the nature of the kingdom of heaven. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he's saying it over and over and over in different ways. He says stuff like, the kingdom of heaven is like a tiny seed that's doing its thing under the ground that you don't even know. By the way, Anita's class buried a mustard seed today. Oh, son, we buried a bunch. A, a bunch of them. Okay? 
So, so that thing is doing its thing, and we don't even know it. We don't even know where she put it in the ground, right? God, Jesus says that's, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. He says it's kind of like a little bit of yeast that you stir into flour. Now, I asked the, the breakfast club, I said, I, I don't I have a trained eye, but if you had a big bowl of flour and there was a little bit of yeast in there, could you tell? And some people said, yeah, if you know what you're looking for, yeast looks different than flour. You might be able to know, but... To me, it would just look like flour. I, would, I wouldn't know. I have an untrained eye. He says it's like a treasure that's buried in a field somewhere. That people walk over this field every day and don't even know what's under their feet. He said it's like a, a pearl. If you have an eye for pearls and you're going out looking for a very special pearl and there's all these pearls, but you find one of great value and you know because you've got a trained eye for it. It's kind of like that. Right? This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. He said it's like a fishing net that is working under the sea. You can't see what's going on. You just know that you threw it out there. But it's sweeping along under the water and it's catching all kinds of things. The kingdom of heaven, according to Jesus, is hidden. It's mixed in. It's buried. It's working beneath the surface of things silently, quietly, invisible to the untrained eye, but it is very real, it is very active, and it is very valuable. I looked up uh, statistics for the Gospel of Matthew, and I found out that Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew alone speaks about the kingdom, or sometimes he calls it the kingdom of God, but mostly he calls it the kingdom of heaven. He talks about that almost 100 times. It was so central to his message, not just in Matthew, but in Mark and Luke as well, that many scholars think that Jesus, if we encountered the historic Jesus today, we would find that this was his central message. More than the forgiveness of sins, more than faith, more than the afterlife, he seemed deeply concerned about preaching and teaching and preparing people for the coming of the kingdom, which he believed was being inaugurated in and through him. So what the heck is the kingdom of heaven? What is it? We asked that question this week at Breakfast Club. What is the kingdom of heaven? And some people said, well, it's a, it's a place that you go to. It's a destination. Heaven, it's this place that you go when you die. It's the place where mansions are being prepared. But I push back on that a little bit because he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And I don't think he's talking about a destination or a place that we go to when we die. I think what he's talking about, and I might be wrong, I think what he might be talking about is the rule and the reign of God, the will of God, which is absolute in heaven, and it's being brought to earth beginning with Jesus Christ. Y'all remember the Lord's Prayer. We, we say the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. We say, may your, will, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even in the prayer, there's this sense that what is happening in heaven is being infused into this place quietly, silently, in hidden ways to the untrained eye. It's being infused into this place. Now, the crowds, I think, would have understood exactly what Jesus was talking about that day. 
I think that because at that time, in the first century, the kingdom of Rome had branched out and made its way into the Holy Land and was very much a part of their everyday life. It changed how they could live, how they could function. Caesar and his kingdom had spread out from the West and infiltrated their land. And the way that Caesar and Rome did that, of course, was taking it by force. They would come into an area and say, we like this place. We think we'll stay here a while. And if you were dumb enough to push back against Rome, well, then they would just squash you flat and enslave you. One way or the other, if they came to a place, they were going to take that place, right? And so this is the way that Rome functioned. But Jesus said, you know what, folks? God's rule has broken into this world as well. But not in the way that Rome has done it. God doesn't come in with force and violence and fear tactics. He said God comes in in hidden ways, mixed in, silent, working behind the scenes. Think about the birth of Jesus, if Jesus really is this entry point. Think about the birth of Jesus. Now, Rome would have had a king born in some grand palace, surrounded by gold and chariots and horses, and they would have blown the trumpets. Jesus comes. There's not even a hotel for him to stay in, right? They lay him in a manger, in some kind of a cave or animal dwelling, Some shepherds hear about it. They're about the only ones, the lowest of the low, and they come and bear witness to this. But the kingdom had come into the world silently and quietly. But Jesus says, if you have eyes to recognize it, if you know what you're looking for, its value is immense. It's worth giving up everything that you have to inherit it. It's worth giving away any drum set to capture it, right? If you know what you're looking for. And he said, everyone here, everyone that I'm talking to could actually become a citizen of the kingdom. All you have to do is align yourself with its principles, align yourself with the will of God, let God know that you desire to be a member of the kingdom, and just like that, you are a citizen. And we do this not out of fear, as some people have preached and taught, that you you better get right with God because otherwise God's going to squash you like a bug. That's Caesar's talk. That's Rome, right? God, God, this is different. This is different. We respond because God came first. Like we said, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. So we accept this invitation because we understand how much God loves us. Now, given the current climate in America, just looking at the news, watching the news, you can see how polarized we are, how angry we tend to be. There are calls that, that maybe the, the, the country should split up into progressive and conservative, and we should just kind of divorce from each other and go our separate ways. Looking at, at, at church numbers, we've, we've talked about how church attendance continues to drop year after year after year. It can be tempting to ask, 
Is the kingdom even still around? Is the kingdom even valid? If it is here, is it slowly losing its power? Where is the kingdom in a time like this? This was one of the questions that came up this week, and I think it's a valid question. But I have to let you know, ever since the very beginning, there have always been rival kingdoms and ideologies and those who do not want to see God's kingdom infiltrate this world. That has always been the case. I thought about Jesus' audience. As they're hearing Jesus preach this, and they're looking around, and they're seeing the Roman soldiers, and they know the thumb that's pressed down on them, how they can only live their lives under the shadow of the fear of the Romans day in and day out. I think about that audience who would have been listening that day, and I know from reading the Scriptures that there would have been sects of Jews that didn't even agree with one another. Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and zealots and Essenes and the common person who didn't know which was right and really probably didn't care anyway. They just wanted to be free from the Romans. So they can't even get along with each other. And so Jesus is talking about the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is among you. Prepare your hearts for the kingdom. And they're looking around going, where? I don't see it. Are you going to be the king, Jesus? Are you the one? Because Jesus, if you're going to restore Israel to power, if you're going to kick Rome out, if you're going to sit on the throne of David, you're going to have to win our trust. You're going to have to show us that you're the person who can do it. Riding into Jerusalem on a donkey ain't cutting it, pal. You need to ride in on something bigger than that. If we're going to put all of our bank in you, because if this goes south, Rome will crush us. You're going to have to rally support and a lot of support if we're going to fight back against Rome. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. God's kingdom is not like that. That's not how this works, people. We're not fighting fire with fire. God's kingdom is different, different than anything you've ever seen or encountered before. It's upside down in every single way. Rather than force people, the kingdom woos them with love. Rather than using power to keep people in submission, the king of the kingdom lays down his own life. The kingdom does overcome her enemies, but not by fighting them. She does it by making them friends. This is the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And so he begins with a small group of people, just 12, just 12 disciples. And he begins to teach them about the kingdom. And he begins to train them to spot it in the world. He trains them how to be ambassadors for the kingdom, to go out and to begin to do the same things that he is doing to participate in the kingdom. Is the kingdom only found in the church? Not necessarily. In fact, I hope not because the church has failed in many, many ways. The the church has failed the kingdom in many, many ways. But the kingdom is found in the church. But I think the kingdom can be found in other places too. 
In fact, ultimately, I think the kingdom can be spotted and recognized if we just look at the life of Jesus. You want to know how to spot it in the world? Look at the life of Jesus. Because the kingdom is wherever the sick are healed. The kingdom is wherever personal demons lose their grip on people. We know people with their own personal demons they're wrestling with. The kingdom casts them out. The kingdom is wherever sinners are welcomed. The kingdom is wherever mercy is shown. Wherever forgiveness is given seven times seventy-seven. The kingdom is wherever the hungry are fed. In short, the kingdom is wherever creation flourishes and abundant life is experienced. That's where the kingdom is. It's hard to see that when you turn on the daily news, right? You've heard of CNN? You ever heard of GNN? Has anybody ever heard of GNN? Does anybody subscribe to GNN? That's the Good News Network. There is a news outlet that their mission in life is they are only going to report good news. None of, the, none of the other stuff. Leave that for CNN and Fox. We're just going to report the good news. I'm going to give you some headlines from GNN's Last week, this, this is just a smattering of last week. This is all over the world, okay? Legend, show me the first picture. This is Leslie Dart. Leslie Dart has planted 372,290 trees across Canada over the past three summers, and she has inspired many. That's the kingdom. She's not getting paid to do that. She just feels like creation care is part of her duty, and so she's planting trees. That's the kingdom. Let's see the next one, legend. Hmm. Tiny baby that fit inside mom's hand, not expected to survive, is home laughing after 180 days in the hospital. This is in Pennsylvania. That's the kingdom. You have to have eyes that see. Next one. Town raises 15,000 pounds for beloved milkman who retired but is not due his pension for a year. This is in England. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom at work. Do you see it? Do you see it? Or are you too busy looking at CNN and Fox? That's the kingdom. Let's see the next one, legend. This is in India. Police officers free school inside Delhi slum is helping kids escape life on the streets. This man was an orphan himself, got out of the slums in Delhi, became a police officer, and opened a school in which he goes back into the slums and teaches them. Folks, that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom right there. Last one. This is in New Zealand. Lonely birthday boy receives big surprise when convoy of 40 truckers come to parade him through town. This kid had no friends, no, nobody, and his mom put out on the internet and she said, look, my kid loves tractor trailers, loves semis. I will pay 50 bucks if somebody will just come by the house and honk their horn at him on his birthday. Instead, 40 trucks showed up with signs and they took him through town. That's the kingdom. Do you see it? Do you see it? I know there's bad stuff in the world. 
I know there's darkness in the world, but if you have eyes to see, you can pick out the gem among all the darkness. Folks, the kingdom is alive, it is active, it is present in surprising places. And John tells us that the darkness has not and will not overcome it. And I believe, as a follower of Jesus, call me stupid, but I believe somehow, some way, the kingdom will come in full effect and will restore all things to the vision that God had in the very beginning. That peace and unity and love will rule. That our weapons of war will be formed into gardening tools. Nobody will learn how to fight in wars anymore because the kingdom is coming. It's already here. We are members of the kingdom. We are called to partner with Jesus to advance it. We are the next generation of those 12. The original 12 that were taught how to be ambassadors for the kingdom, we are the next generation. We can be ambassadors. We can deposit small amounts of kingdom light into the world, or we can be indifferent to it, or we can actively be pushing against God's kingdom by our own actions. If that is the case, it will fail. Ultimately, it will fail. So my prayer is that we, here at Grace Church, will commit to aligning ourselves with the principles of the peaceable kingdom of Christ that was inaugurated in His birth and in His life and death and resurrection and continues in His people, us, even to this day. If we have eyes that know where to look, we can see it. Let's pray. God, thank you for this reminder today. We thank you for these stories that we see in Pennsylvania and in Canada and New Zealand and India and in England, and we know that there are so many more. Help us to see these places of light. Help us to join in the spreading of the light. May we be good ambassadors for the kingdom. Thank you for your invitation to become a citizen of it. We look forward to the day when it will be fully realized in this place. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Folks, I hope you have been as blessed as I have been today. It is so good to see all of you and to see some folks I haven't seen in a while and to have some visitors with us today. And uh, I love you all. Thanks. Will you grab the hand of the person next to you, form a big family chain around this place, and receive this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you're perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven, and you're uniquely empowered. And now you're called to go out into the world and be ambassadors for the kingdom. Folks, you're going to make some mistakes this week because we all do. But I need you to know when you make those mistakes, it doesn't change how God feels about you because God's love for us is not based on our performance. That's the good news. It's not based on our performance. 
It's rooted in God's very nature. God is love. So that when He looks at us by His amazing grace, He says, y'all are nothing but the best of the best of the best. Can you imagine what tomorrow would be like if you left here believing that? I think it'd be a great beginning to a new week. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen.